Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, sorry on the delayed yes. I know that's my my bailiwick. All right, here's what we got going on. This is a peek behind the scenes. It's like the Larry Sanders show of radio. Uh, someone, and I don't know who, broke off their headphone. What would you call these right here that goes into the jack? Output? Input? Nice. Like the, the output? output plug into the jack. And so I can't put that into the jack. And mm. so it is blocked. Oh. So, real conundrum. I don't know. Who do we blame on that? Who stands over here? Oh, it's probably my fault somehow. Stalter broke it. Sources have just told me. Wow, wow that just came across my desk. Sang like a canary. Wow. I'm not going to reveal my sources. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so there you go. That's what's going on here. Wow. Uh, Randy Carricker and I, in uh, what is our 60 second podcast, uh, he said the question today was. Do you like it when the Cubs are good or when the Cubs are bad? That was what they were discussing on Carriker and Smallman this morning. Mm-hmm. And my answer is instantaneous. I like it when they're good. Agreed. He said the results on the Air Comfort Service text line from 7 to 10 were about 50-50. Right. Like, it's not even a sweat for me. I right. prefer that. Right. It's just like when Mizzou was in the Big 12, you'd want Kansas to be good at both I football agree. and basketball. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of my favorite sporting events ever was the 2007 Missouri-Kansas game. That is, that's lightning striking like in 10 spots at one time yeah. for those two teams to yeah. be good at the same time, much less being playing at Arrowhead Stadium on a Saturday night to be number one in the country. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. Any prestigious rivalry, whether it be Yankees, Red Sox, Michigan, Ohio State, North Carolina, Duke, if both teams are really good, it makes for awesome games. Do you like when the game is not on cable? Or uh, your YouTube TV or whatever, however you access. Uh, in, I guess you can't access it on YouTube TV anyway, unless you're also getting cable, which is what I'm doing now. It's actually it's really easy. shrewd financial management I'm practicing. Right. So when it's on either ESPN or Apple TV, it's actually easier for me to access the content, but I prefer Danny Mac and Brad Thompson or Jimmy Jim Edmonds. I prefer the broadcast team locally, but to, to get the product, it's a little easier to do it, uh, Apple TV-wise or ESPN. All right, there you go. That's my statement, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, it's going to be a whole thing on Twitter. <laughs> I'm prepared. Uh, yeah, so that uh, game is not Dan McLaughlin and Brad Thompson or Dan McLaughlin and Jim Edmonds tonight. It is on uh, Apple TV for those looking forward to the Cardinals and the Cubs. Cardinals splitting the series with the Brewers. I didn't realize this until I was reading about the game this morning from the great Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, but the Cardinals have had a chance to take three or four from the Brewers three times already this year. Oh, wow. And they've lost the fourth game of the series each time. That would be good knowledge to have yesterday with uh, some gambling action. So you would have used those two previous outcomes in game four of the series and said, oh, therefore I shall wager on the Brewers because of this. Not necessarily, but it just would have been good to have. And now that I have it, next time they play. You will do it. Well, next time they play the Brewers in a four-game set, and if they've taken two already, I'm not going to bet on them to win the third or win the fourth game, I should say. It's an asinine premise. I've never been more disappointed in you. Well, 
It is what it is. Oh, more things are happening now. I'm good on this uh, headphone situation. I'm just having to stretch a little. And I'm such a tiny little boy that it's so nice <laughs> to be able to. Thank you, though, Mike. It's a nice gesture. For the record, that does not mean that Mike Ryder is the one who told me Anthony Stalter broke the no. headphone jack. No. I want to make that crystal clear. No. Uh, well, I'm glad that Jackson's happy the game's on Apple. Thanks. That's from the 636. And Jackson immediately taking shrapnel. Fine by me. Been doing it now for six months. Seems <laughs> kind of conditioned. Uh, you are welcome to get involved in the show. Six five seven eight zero. That is how you can get involved in the show. Six five seven eight zero, and uh, talk it over with us here on the Friday edition of the program. Jackson is the most eligible bachelor in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, what is it that is on your itinerary this weekend? Uh, I got my. I'm going out to the St. Louis Firecracker Face Off. That's right. Tell the people they can meet you tonight. Yeah, at the world at the Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 Peavley. I'll be there from four to six. Cup, cup. You can come hang out. It's gonna be a bunch of great races out there. You can grab a drink, talk it over, uh, cheer on a, a local St. Louis guy who's like eighth place in the in the standings right now. Gonna have a great old time. It's at the Federated Auto Parts Raceway, I-55 Peavley for the St. Louis Firecracker. Face off. It's gonna what, be a really good time. What time will you be there? Four to six. I'll be there from four to six. So come on, hang on, hang out. Be a good time. So uh, if you're a fan of Jackson's, you can drive and meet him tonight. Do you bring glossies and sign? Uh, I, I don't bring glossies, but I'll take pictures. You will take pictures. I'll with take people. pictures and I'll sign your phone. I guess. I think that would probably be the best way to do it. You will sign the people's phone. Yeah, I'll take the picture with them, and then they leave the picture up there. I'll sign it. All right. Well, there, there, there you go. So there's further incentive to see uh, Jackson, also known as Lil Piddles. And I see we have Lil Piddles Friday Parlay. That's right. Lil Piddles Friday Parlay. All right. Five of them in here. Lightning plus 155 or Avs minus 180. Got to take my heart out of it. Got to take my heart out of it. I'm going Avs. Yeah. And uh, that's... It's just, I hate it. I will be pulling against it. I won't be betting it. But yeah. if you ask me, I got to put a hundred bucks on it. I'm taking the Avalanche game in Denver. I altitude back against think the wall. The, the Lightning had their hearts ripped out. Yeah, by uh, what took place there. And then I all as much as I loved John Cooper's post game and the way he handled that. And I know that's one of your uh, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. Questions or it was yesterday anyway, on how he handled that. Um, I recall, uh, I don't want to name the player, even though it probably doesn't matter, but uh, a Cardinal, two guys who were on the 1985 team, the Don Dinkinger, mm -hmm. game six. Sure. And they both felt like the message from Whitey Herzog after that game, game six, was, well, that's it. Well, we just lost the World Series. And it set the tone for what was a thrashing in game seven by the Royals. Mm. And so I wonder how a coach handles a situation like that if it can impact his team. And I, logic would dictate, of course, it can. Then the question is, each incident, does it? You know, yesterday I saw some text when we were discussing Cooper's comments on the Kadri goal and six men on the ice uh, that he should have handled it like Barubi did with the hand pass game. But, and I get that, but there was there's some extenuating circumstances there that was game three, and the Sharks were only up 2-1. I also think the Blues and Baruby knew they were the better team. Uh, this is 3-1, and you're going from 2-2 in the Stanley Cup final to down 3-1 with having to play two of the next three, if you even get to three more on the road. Um, so, But I do wonder about that. Like, Did his comments, how will that impact the Lightning? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I God, I'd like to see the Lightning win this game. Yeah. And I want to see him win the series. If you are interested in wagering on it, 
that the Lightning were to come back and win this series. Uh, it is plus 800. So mm-hmm. you throw 100 on that, and the Lightning hoist the chalice three years in a row, and yeah, you get $800. Question number two. Cardinals to win the series versus the Cubs. Odds not out, but I will have them during the show. All I right, what do you have? Do you want to take a guess? I'm to venture a guess. Cardinals out to win the series against the Cubs. I was. I remember a couple weeks ago. I was so shocked by the yeah. Reds one that that is what I'm going to use as a precedent. I will say minus two ten. Wow, that's impressive. Minus two fifteen. All right, good. But that's only because I learned my lesson from that Reds thing a couple yeah. weeks ago. Right. Right. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah, I would too. I think that's the move. I mean, win two or three against the Cubs. Now, starters Michaelis and Wayno won't. Pitch Michaelis might on Sunday. Why are you arguing with me or yourself? Well, I'm trying. I'm just doing some math in my head. Here. Well, they don't make that information public, so of course this is a guessing game. Now, if we were to do it on a sports talk station, we probably should have that information. But in this case, I know Kyle Hendricks is throwing for the Chicago Cubs, and I only know that because the Southside Seaman Fantasy Baseball Club, which is really the New York Yankees of fantasy sports, uh, was looking for a streaming option, and I saw Hendricks was out there, but we. Uh, we passed on him. So you're going to get a Puente, Michaelis, and Flaherty start this weekend. Ooh, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. I think the Cardinals could be in a spot where they uh, have a sweep option on Sunday. Yeah, I think so, too, which would cover your money right then and there. Yeah, so you win on Saturday night. Yeah. Then you're free rolling. Yep. And then you're batting uh, St. Louis and Adam Long to win the Travelers on Sunday, and you're getting paid off uh, plus 1800 It's going to be a very win. profitable weekend yeah, for no, St. Louisans. I make picks, you make money. I make picks... You make money. Question number three, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Look at that number. What? Look at that number for him to win MVP. Plus 175. Right. Future bet. So what are you asking me here? Would you, do you see value? Do you think that's a good play? No, it's a terrible value. That's what I'm saying. Because like like two weeks ago, I want to say, he was plus 450. He dropped all the way down. I mean, it's just impressive to see what it he's done. It just shows how dominating he's been. Right, exactly. That's it's crazy. Just, but as far as, a, by definition, value no. goes, no. it's not when you are up against however many hundreds of players. Right. I mean, I realize only a handful are in the mix for the MVP, but still. that is now, the a the second guy, I think, is a good value. That would fall into the category of value. Nolan Arnato to win the NL MVP. MVP plus 3,500. So I would be more apt to throw 100 on that than right. I would on the Goldschmidt at 175, even though obviously at this moment Goldschmidt is way more likely. Right. I mean, the Cardinals, barring an absolute disaster, are going into the playoffs. That's what's kind of weird about this is because I don't think too many people would say, oh, this team is as good as... Take your pick of whatever your favorite Cardinal teams have been over the years. And I don't think the 06 and 11 teams at this point in the season were teams Cardinal fans would have associated with a great Cardinal team, even though they became world champions. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go 04, for example, uh, or 15, for example, or 13, for example, and if you're like me and you can go back to the 1980s and go 85, for example— I don't feel like this team is in that category at this moment, but maybe something will emerge, a player will emerge, a player will be acquired, and you change your mind on that. In other words, it's weird that on June 24th, I feel like I know the Cardinals are going to be in the playoffs, right? and I don't necessarily think they are a great team, right. but that's a byproduct of the state of baseball at the moment, and in particular, the state of the National League Central. I know, and it kind of feels like barring some like crazy awesome run like we're just going to have this season where they're going to take series against the bad teams and either go 500 or worse against the good teams and 
there's not going to be that many headlines. Like, I just don't feel like we're going to have like that much like to get real excited about, but nothing to get too sad about either. It's going to be such a middling season. And like. furthermore, they've already played 12 of their 19 against the Brewers. Right. So there's only seven left against them. Right. So you're just going to get a bunch of Pirates, Reds, and Cubs. And it's, uh, I don't know. I, just, I wish that there was going to be something, unless like, you know, you can't have a 17-game win streak every season to get the fans excited about stuff. Tim, I feel like Jack Wagon has never played with any fireworks in his life besides sparklers and snakes. It's from the 304. It's a great text. Somewhat of a non sequitur, but it was good enough that I read it. <laughs> but it reminds me, we do have enough Jackson's joking, right? now it's like greg norman in 96 uh what what do we have the bud the bud bash tickets we don't because i would say that would be the leader in the clubhouse if we did that would be up there <laughs> oh. Oh, uh and right. then yankees to win it all plus 450 again i guess i have to insert my own questions in here just these are just statements of That's numbers the friday parlay so what am I, I mean, would I bet it? I mean, what are you asking me? You're just throwing out numbers, and some of them don't include numbers. Yeah, Yankees they, to win it all four plus 450. Would I bet that? Yeah. No, and here's my reason. It's like if you saw a clearly dominant team in NCAA basketball in December-ish or early January, would sure. I bet them? No, because I kind of view baseball that way now, mm. and I kind of view the Stanley Cup playoffs that way, although this year you have gotten the two best teams, yeah. I think. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I suppose you could make a Hurricanes or Panthers claim, but I don't think anybody's going to dispute out of the West, and if you do, it's probably the Blues uh, who would be there instead of the Avalanche. So you occasionally get it, but more often than not, the team with the best record at this point in the season is not the team who wins the World Series in baseball yeah. at this particular moment, the way the baseball playoff structure is, and now it's even more uh, watered down. So from that standpoint, if you're saying I get four and a half to one on the Yankees to win it, that's not good enough for me. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm a no on your plus 450. Where are you? I like it. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at you. I think you're, that number's going to go down and down. Are you just Shannon Sharping me? No, 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 no. We didn't choose this backstage. <laughs> um, I don't even know what the hell I'm because I'm just I'm reading numbers. Right. And I, I just think that 450 for how good they've been, you know, how much talent that they have, I think. And they're playing in the AL East, too, so they're playing the best of the best at the moment. So yeah, just, but that also means it's a labyrinth. Like, I would think the Cardinals are actually a better play because the Cardinals are in the playoffs. Now, the Yankees most likely will be in the playoffs. Right. But from the standpoint of the trade deadline, that'll, I mean, these teams now are not who they will be on August 1st. Right. The question is, what are the Cardinals going to do? I'm telling you, this the weird spot that the Yankees are in is that the Mets are really good and they have an owner who is just going balls to the wall and will do whatever. Yeah. And so... And then that then that has a trickle down effect on teams like the Cardinals, yeah, who will most likely, I would hope, be buyers. But if they these teams are willing to throw anything at it, especially with both New York teams in it, and then don't forget about the the teams on the coasts, yeah, uh, with the Dodgers, it's a whole situation. The Red Sox have gotten themselves back into it. It's going to be tough. I, I guess Cardinals will probably go middle relief with some guy we haven't heard of from Cleveland. That's Cleveland, kind yeah. of that's, that's, that's the signature move. You're welcome to text in 65780. Any of those plays stand out to you? You are welcome to text those in. Uh, here is the Jackson, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, doesn't make a sound question. And this is what I will touch on next. After hearing Lightning coach Tan, uh, John Cooper's comments regarding the Kadri goal, how do you feel about coaches who are overly fiery and lose their temper quickly versus coaches who are more reserved and laid back? 
Where does the line stand between competitive and passionate to unprofessional and a loose cannon? How do you think players respond to coaches who are over the top versus coaches who keep their calm better? If you were a GM, which style would you prefer? We'll talk about that. What do you think on that question? 65780, we've certainly seen both here in St. Louis. Uh, We'll go through that coming up. This is Balloon Party 101 We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. 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 Got a headphone issue. Head's lopsided, my headphones are wrong. Well, either way, now, I'm gonna, now it's going to look like I'm doing We Are the World by holding on to one, <laughs> one headphone. That's a great reference. Thank you. Tim, can you describe what Jackson looks like in case I want to go to Peavey tonight? I'd like to be able to find him. I don't know if I should do this because yeah, I don't know yeah. if this is the slide tackler. Right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm 5'7". Uh, you taking a shot? Dark, really dark hair. Um, no, I know you're not. Uh, super tan. No, I know you're not. Dark eyes. No, and, uh, yeah, that's that's me. So. Oh, he's a tall drink of water. Yeah. He's a 24-year-old strapping former basketball player at Horton Watkins. He's experiencing the early stages of male pattern baldness, but he's taking steps to combat it. I cover it up well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nice comb over already, which is very humbling at 24 Yeah, I guess you young. do have a bit of a comb over. I mean, I wouldn't, I, if you didn't say it was a comb over, I wouldn't say it's a comb over, but now that you say it, like I think comb over and I picture Purdue basketball in the 90s. But with you, I, I, I don't necessarily see it that way. Right. It's like if I were to like. Style. It's like a pompadour. <laughs> so it's a little pompadour. That's my new nickname now, is a little pompadour. But uh, <laughs> I could, if I slicked it back, it wouldn't look like. Tribute would, to Pat Riley. Right, exactly. I Adrian wouldn't. Brody. Look, I wouldn't, there wouldn't be like bald spots, but the hairline recession is slight, but. Ever present. Well, he'll be in Peavely tonight from 4 to 6, and you can catch it and see the whole thing. All right, here was the question that Jackson posed, because if I start going off on weird things, it'll be 11 <laughs> o'clock, and, you know, uh, that's just poor time management on my part. Speaking of which, I'm going to get into Mike Martz. Uh, after hearing John Cooper's comments regarding the Kadri goal, how do you feel about coaches who are overly fiery and lose their t- temper quickly versus coaches who are more reserved and laid back? Where does the line stand between competitive and passionate to unprofessional and a loose cannon? How do you think players respond to coaches who are over the top versus coaches who keep their calm better? If you were a GM, which style would you prefer? I'm going to add a question to this one and say if you were a player, what would you prefer? And then now in the in the category of if you are a fan, what do you prefer? Ooh. Now, I think fans, I think, prefer the fire. Mm. because the fans have fire and they want to see fire, Mm -hmm. which is going back to one of my master's theses on this show, which is why the Blues have such great equity with the fan base in St. Louis right now, and the Cardinals are, despite the success since 2000, not experiencing that, and that is because fans feel like the Blues are going all in to win, and they don't necessarily feel that's what the Cardinals are doing. So with that all said, it's because fans want to see the teams reciprocate the emotion that they put in, and therefore they certainly would want to see the coaches reciprocate that. Right. Um, Baruby's speech before 2019's Game 7 in Boston while by no means, you know, the, the two minutes that Kurt Russell did before Miracle... It was direct, it was fiery, it was passionate, and it summed it all up. You're a great effing hockey team. 
let's go out there and bring this thing back to St. Louis. Something along those lines. Let's go out and bring the cup home. Whatever it was, it was incredible. I watched it. It's awesome. Uh, that's passion. People like that. I think people really like the way Whitey Herzog would go out and get after it uh, back in the 1980s. And that resonated with people. But plus, I didn't think they liked the exciting style of baseball. Initially, I think LaRusso was not well liked. I don't think. I know he wasn't. And eventually, people liked it. I can tell you this as far as players go. Um, there was one time I was so lucky, man. It's, it's a field of dreams thing. Part of me feels like it didn't even happen, but I, I know it did. I was out playing golf by myself. Uh, for those of you who've been to Jupiter for a Cardinal Spring training, there's a golf course right by the complex called Albacoa. And uh, it's a public course, and so you can just hop on there. And it was like 5 at night, and I'm like, I'm going to go out there and play. And I saw this guy walking off the green, and I'm like, oh, my God, I would know that walk anywhere. And it was Willie McGee, and he's up there playing by himself. That's awesome. And there was no way that I wasn't going to just, you know, kind of wander on the tee box and just see if he would say, oh, you want to join me? So the sun is setting in Jupiter, Florida. And I am on a golf course, just me and Willie McGee. Oh it is, God. it is for for a child yeah. of the 1980s yeah. in St. Louis. I don't know if I could handpick anything more. Yeah. I st- for real, it was like 2003 ish or four. Um, and we did when we talked baseball, you know. That's incredible. Uh, and if he if he wouldn't have wanted to get into it, I wouldn't have gotten into it. But he did, and we did. And uh, and he said his favorite manager was was Whitey Herzog. And he didn't keep in mind his time wasn't just in St. Louis. You uh-huh. know, he also uh, was in Oakland, was in Boston, was in San Francisco. Um, but Whitey Herzog, uh, I feel like that's uh, the, something that Ozzie Smith has said. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I know Jim Edmonds has talked about his reverence for Tony LaRusso. So we've had some incredible managers here yeah, in St. Louis. And then as far as football coaches go, Yes, it was a brief run, and the success was like a supernova in how brief it was. But 1999 to 2003, or if you want to include 2004, uh, you have Dick Vermeil and Mike Martz, two certainly different styles. Right. Um, and some players absolutely loved that emotion that Vermeil showed them mm-hmm. because they wanted to play for somebody who they felt like cared about them. Martz... Um, was fiery and I but I just I feel like what happened in New Orleans in Super Bowl 36 destroyed him mm-hmm. and I know that might sound like a hyperbole but I, I he just was never the same he was never the same guy he was you know there's there's a difference between gambling which is essentially like po- pulling a slot lever and playing something like poker or right. daily fantasy sports that's that's skilled uh, you know that's that's buying stock so to speak that's a skill and he was a gambler. He was a gambler. And I, he didn't care, and he would call timeouts. He would do all kinds of things. He would, you know, run plays, even though you're trying to run the clock out. And you'd go, what in the world? But he'd be like, yeah, we're going to win, and I don't care. I remember there was one press conference. I don't know if, I think it was about if Warner or Bulger is going to start. And I think it was Jim Thomas asking the questions. He went, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I'm sitting there and go, what in the world is this? And I walked out, and I go, we're going to miss this whenever this is over. It's crazy. Uh-huh. We're, we are witnessing craziness, but it is great because it's entertaining and the team was winning. But it was absolute insanity. However, once they lost that game against the Patriots, the gamble went away. And in 2000, January of 2004, the last ever NFL playoff game in St. Louis, 
they had a chance to, to complete the comeback against the Panthers before Steve Smith would burn Jason Seahorn's jockstrap into the 50-yard line and go in and win it. And he sat on the ball and kicked a game-tying field goal. And I was standing on the sidelines going, oh, my God, what is he doing? And I know guys on the team are like, oh, my God, what is he doing? And they wound up losing that game. Do you remember that one, or is that too— uh... No, but I do have the yibbit drop of Mike Oh, Martz. wow. Let's take a listen. I was there. I didn't hear it. Now, when you say you have it, is that just something uh, you have in your on. memory, or, no, or are you going to play it for the audience? One more time. Second round. I might throw something. I think I have to. One more time. On behalf of the audience. One more time. I got it now. I promise you I have it. Yibbit, yibbit, yibbit. Nice. Here comes Ryder running <laughs> in to it, save him. <laughs> Ryder, you want to go to Peevely too? <laughs> that was the worst performance I've ever given. Oh, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> Six five seven eight zero. your Mount Rushmore of Jackson's worst performances. Yibbit, yibbit, yibbit. That was the strangest thing. What does that even mean? So I think it was Jim Thomas. I'm sure guys who were there also will start texting me and uh, telling me who it was. I'm pretty sure. I think the situation was... I don't know if it was Warner who was the quarterback or Bulger who was the quarterback. And then I think Jim Thomas would say, yeah, but... And then <laughs> so Mart started mocking him by saying, yibbit, yibbit, yibbit. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, and I'm going, this is insane. <laughs> and I know this is going to be all over ESPN because at the time, the St. Louis Rams were the thing. Right, right. And and you got the head coach going, yibbit, 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 yibbit. <laughs> That's wild. It's <laughs> oh, so wild. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and then as far as, you know, the least favorite Blues coaches of all time, I mean, Mike Keenan is, you know, he's, I don't know if that'll ever, if we ever see that, if we ever see somebody supersede him, something really will have had to go wrong. I mean, Craig Berube, the Blues could lose their first 25 games next year. He gets fired, and he comes back here in 10 years, and he is a god. Yeah, for real. Uh, I can apply it to Missouri football. Um I think one of the things that hurt Barry Odom outside of the fact that there wasn't that much success is that when he was on the microphone, it was very low key. Yeah. And, you know, and then then the one time he did choose to get fired up after they got their asses handed to him by Auburn in 2017, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was 2017. It, it was like, it be, and it was like, you're, is this a performance now? Because you're worried you're going to lose your job. I think mm-hmm. fans like seeing passion. But your question was, if you're a GM, what do you like? Yeah. Well, the GM wants to win. Yeah. Now, if you're the president of the team or the owner of the team, you want ticket revenue. But the GM's job is to win. Mm-hmm. And a coach who's entertaining might be good for ticket revenue, but when it's all said and done as a general manager, you want to win. And so, I would imagine as general manager number one, you want somebody who's easy to work with. But number two, somebody who will pick their spots and not potentially cost the team calls by losing control. And that is why I thought the John Cooper thing was so well done. The other side of it, though, as I said in the first segment, is I wonder how his team took that. Right. And I'll probably see Patty Maroon here in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll get an answer, yeah. and then maybe he'll speak honestly on it uh, on the air, and maybe he'll say I don't, know, I don't say anything. But we really that kind of that kind of bothered us. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 here's the thing with that. I know Pat worships Cooper, so right. I, I think they would probably file fire him and uh, follow him to the fires of hell. So maybe they'll respond. I've got the credibility to do it when you've won like he's won. So I uh, I personally 
I like emotion, but I don't like. I loved what Barubi did after the hand pass. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I also liked, courtesy of Randy Rosarena's live streaming on Instagram. <laughs> I liked Mike Schilt after they beat the Braves. Yeah, that was great. I liked it. I'm Absolutely. like, wow, look at Mike Schilt. Get you it. know, yeah, I like that. Right. Yeah, I'm not... But but that also wasn't inc- you know intended to be <laughs> no. public, public broadcast. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. I think that when I look at it, kind of from a bird's eye view. You, th- you, th- you think, like, oh, I'd want a coach who's even keel because, you know, you hear athletes say, like, you can never get too high or too low. Like, being even keel is the key to success. But as a fan, someone who, like, loves it, like, whether it be Mizzou basketball, Mizzou football, Cardinal baseball, blues hockey, anything, that I'm really rooting for the team, I'm really emotional. So, like, I like when the coach shows up. I like when they get fired up. I like when they're when I'm yelling at the refs and the coach is yelling at the refs too. Like, I like that they care and that – and it show, I think to an extent shows the players that, like – you know, let me, like you stay even keel, let me take care of the emotions the of everything. The key to me with the yelling at officials or going after an umpire is you have to, I think, it almost has to be like acting mm-hmm. in the sense that you realize what it looks like to your team, you realize what it looks like to the fans and right. management, but you have to be in control of it. Mm-hmm. And if you are out of control in it, then you can then it can go against you. But if you're going, okay, we this guy has been blowing it with the calls. Right. I've got to send a message. But internally, I'm cool. Yeah. Externally. And so that's why I, I bet internally Craig Barubi was furious about the hand pass thing. Right. But again, that's why I say it's not apples to apples with the avalanche and lightning thing. It wasn't three to one, it was two to one. And I also think, and I could be off that the blues knew they were the better team. Sure. And there were still four games left to be played, at least theoretically. And they felt like they could win three of four. And there was no need to send the team into a panic by making a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, but the thing that I appreciated about it is he's able to, in the moment, at the peak of emotion, with the season and a Stanley Cup run on the line, he is able to have that presence of leadership to separate his internal emotion and convey it externally. To me, that is a sign of great leadership because it's not easy. That is not an easy thing to do. And that's why the Cooper thing to me was so impressive. And, you know, I think there have been times where we've seen coaches lose it and then it hurts the team. But in that case, in these two siding with Barubi and siding with Cooper, I thought it actually was advantageous. I just don't know, even if Cooper, you know, made the greatest speech in the history of sports that it could turn it around and they could win three straight games against that team with two of them being in Denver. Uh, your thoughts are welcome on the topic. We'll read those coming up. 65780, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. The program is called Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 1041 in St. Louis. This time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Tim McKernan with you until the top of the hour. Then BK and Ferrario will take over our topic today uh, in reference to John Cooper calmly conveying his frustration with the missed call at the end of Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final. What is your preference on emotion when it comes to coaches, managers, uh, and how they tend to things during games and then also post-game 
as well. Uh, you can text in 65780. We are getting a lot of response on the topic. Uh, here, I'm just going to go in uh, ascending order. I think I like a mix of fire and calm. I think Mike Matheny was too laid back and the team didn't play hard enough. I love Ali Marmont. He is very layered, laid back, but has some fire and very direct. I think Barubi is the same with more fire that comes from the 314. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, well, this is about Jackson's public appearance tonight. Uh, if you're looking for Jackson and Peevely, all you have to do is look for the guy that looks like he's been in the Hamptons with the boat shoes and real short khaki shorts. Uh, and then there's something about Greg Poupon also. Mm. Do, you, do you have Greg Poupon? Uh, okay, Apollo with a sweater wrapped around his neck eating a hot dog with Greg Poupon on it. First of all, Greg Poupon is a fantastic topping to any any hot dog six five seven eight zero. You know, what old Dijon never hurt anybody. Six five seven eight zero. I like Grey Poupon. Uh, I don't wear boat <laughs> shoes usually. That's not really my look. Uh, a little hot for a sweater tonight, but uh, well, you tie it around your. Ah, right, right. Yeah, well, next sweat will be an issue, but the Grey Poupon is accurate. I do like Grey Poupon. I prefer the squeeze. And you're bottle. going to be bringing this to the races in Peavley. I mean, if they don't have it, I guess I can bring like the one of those old jars and a spoon. I wonder if I could get like a drone to cover your appearance tonight. You know, I'm just like <laughs> sitting there and I can just kind of look it up on my phone and see how it goes. Pounding the dog with some great poupon on it. Uh, Tim, I like the Denny Green model. That's from Jimmy Jim. Yeah, he uh, got fired up after a uh, Bears Cardinals oh, yeah. game. Right. Yeah. He was, was it uh, Mike Gundy? He got really upset. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all newspaper. about timing. Cooper and Chief being calm because it's the playoffs is needed because you can't get down. Fiery during the season is great to light a fire. Uh, that's from the 636, from the 3 and 4. A coach has to have his cool control, but a coach also has to be ready to lose his S for his team as well. And I agree with that. I agree with that exactly. But when they lose their S, they have to be cognizant that publicly it looks like they're losing their S, but internally they're not. That's what I'm saying. Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. Uh, Norman Dale would coordinate his moves. Right. He would got kicked out of the game so Shooter could coach the rest of the game. The wonderful Dennis Hopper. He asked the ref to kick him out. He left the game. He was as cool as a cucumber, but the public perception of it was that he got fired up. What the F is Grey Poupon? I must not be rich enough to know. That's from the 314. <laughs> Dijon Mustard. Not like, you don't need like, you know, you don't need a certain W-2 to eat it. I can tell you this. At the St. Gabriel School picnic, there's no Grey Poupon. Was I'm it? sure at the Yellow? Ladue School picnic. Yeah. I mean, what else is it going to be? Stone ground? Well, some of us just eat the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford the hot dog. Tim, my mom Mush Rushmore of Lil Pompadour's worst performances is today, yesterday, the next show, and every previous show in Balloon Party history. It's from the 573. Lil Pompadour. Lil Pompadour and Hot Love. I forgot that we once called the show Moron Sports. I think that's a good Double one. Double entendre. Right. I think that one's really good. Tim, does Lil Pompadour shoot his free throws underhand? No, he shoots it overhand. They go in. Oh, Wow. Look at this guy on his way down to Peavely. He's letting everybody know he balls at the malls. You want to get into this. a free throw contest, I'm quite confident. Wow. Look at this. Let's I'll be, be eating Grey Poupon and hitting free throws. That's right. Happy Friday, St. Louis. <laughs> I think a good mixture of fire and calmness is what I like to see in a coach. A guy who knows when the beef, when to be fiery, but knows when to become, be calm as well. Like 
uh, Craig Berube, after the hand pass incident, in his heart, he probably was fired up about it, but he didn't show it. He showed calmness and was willing to move on from something that was out of his control. But I didn't like Mike Schilt and his scratch and claw phrases and after every game because it was frustrating. We didn't want him to throw players under the bus, but we at least wanted him to show the fans that they were playing the way they were playing was unacceptable. Yeah, he caught a lot of hell at this time last year, right before the winning streak. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a few months, his press conferences were a were a target. Yeah, I feel like Schilt and Marmol are closer to Barubi than like Matheny was. I feel like Schilt and Marmol kind of have that. You're know, like real relaxed guys who are easygoing, but when the time gets right, they're gonna. I get think fired. Schilt is. More fiery than he leads on. Yes, and I think he is, uh, I, I, and I'm using this in a complimentary way, a killer. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe that played a role in the hashtag philosophical differences. I think he is a killer with an external appearance that does not indicate that. Right. The glasses are... Uh, yeah, I just don't think it's the way you would think it is, but I think behind the scenes he's a killer. Yeah. And I, and maybe I'm off the mark on that, but that that's that's my vibe. I don't know Ali Marmol well enough to have a read on that, but I think that's the way that it is with Schilt. And I think with Barubi, I think it's different. I think he doesn't need to say anything to be a killer. Guys are like, this guy on the ice was a killer, and when he says it, we respect it because we know he did it. Yeah. And he also, I think... Uh, if he makes a move that a guy doesn't like, he gives him the reason, and then if there is an opportunity to get back, tells him what they need to do in order to get back. It's right. not a it's not a passive or aggressive way of handling business. I think people like that, man. I think people like, listen, here's the situation. You might not like it, but this is what's going on. Right. And I want you to hear it directly from me so you can ask any questions to find out where things are and what you can do to get right or where things are going. Yeah. And I feel like his, the appreciation for him is the direct style of communication. Somehow he's able to do it, and I think a lot of that is just the credibility of of the way he actually played the yeah, game. Right. I think if you, yeah, guys who played before their coaching career, I think w- no matter what their profile was when they were a player, kind of follows them to their coaching career. Like if Madison Bumgarner or Max Scherzer ended up managing, like they would be labeled as fiery guys. Yeah, because, I agree that. And very serious, too, whereas like if, Adrian Beltre was a manager. He'd be more laid back just because of his playing days. Tim Schilt was a yes man until the players revolted and went on a winning streak. That's from the 618. I don't think so, man. I don't think so either. I really don't. I'd be open to the conversation about it. I don't think that that was the case. And if anything, I think the way things ended shows you he wasn't a yes man. Uh, Tim, do you think in October last year, Mo was taking a nap and awoke from a nightmare about June and said to himself, F it, I'm firing Schilt. That's from the 314. I could be off on this, but I think that there were a couple of discussions that did not play out uh, the way that John Mazalek expected them to play out or the way that Mike Schilt expected them to play out, and it didn't go well, and it got a little rough, and they said, we can't deal with this anymore, and he was surprised when he got popped. That's what I think. And I will tell you this, and since now you play everybody, don't just have to worry about American League, National League stuff. Whenever Schilt gets a chance to play the Cardinals and manage, and I would imagine that will happen within the next uh, season and a half, uh, you will see him as intense as ever. I think he wants blood. Like I said, I think he's a killer. He doesn't look like a killer, but I think he's a killer. Six five seven eight zero is how you can get involved in the show. One more segment to go, and then it's the weekend. BK and Ferrario coming up at the top of the hour. I'm Tim McKernan. This is Balloon Party with Lil Pompadour heading to Peevely tonight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Wow. I brought out the brass section for this final segment. I feel like I'm about to take the field. If I were not the tiniest man in town and were actually able to make a team. Well, but if I of... were, like Lucas, like Corey Haim. <laughs> Is that one of the two Corys? That's correct. Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. Your favorite, 65780. Getting some good texts on this conversation regarding coaches and emotion. And I love this text here because I think that there is a lot to this, and it's not necessarily even sports-related. Stronger leaders come from being bottom of the barrel at some point in their field. That's mm. from the 314. Mm. I agree. I, 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 don't, I mean, bottom of the barrel is probably extreme from my standpoint. Maybe it's accurate. But you've, you've, you know, you've gained credibility because you are one of the people you are now leading. At the same time, sometimes the people you are now leading have some resentment that you were one of them and now you're on the other side mm. uh, or can be perceived as on the other side. But in the case of Barubi, I think it works to his advantage. Maybe that's something that didn't work for Schilt. I don't know. He didn't play. We would hear often about that. Uh, Tim, I personally think that Ali was a rising star and Mazalak knew it. He had to make a business decision, and it looks like the right one. That's from the 314. That, a lot of that might be the case. The one thing is that I don't think that they were planning on doing it at the time. I, and, and listen, for the record, I want to make this clear. This is not coming from some inside baseball thing that I'm dancing around. That's not. This is just reading between the lines. It is 100% speculation. You know, journalism in 2022. <laughs> Uh, Tim, this is how I think it went down. Get me an effing shortstop who can hit. No, you're fired. <laughs> that actually is how I think it went down right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, if, that, that if you said, Tim, can you sum up how it went down, that text right there. I think we could strip it down. I think that might have been the basis of the uh, differences there. Guys, the Corys were great, but Jonathan Brandis never got his due. Also, shout out to Tommy Page and Timmy T. That's from the 314. Yeah, Jonathan Brandis starring in Ladybugs, and I think that one Best cinematography. Ronnie Dangerfield, right? Yeah, Ronnie Dangerfield was the coach. <laughs> yeah, best cinematography is what I right. believe that one. Yeah. Tim Schilt bringing in Reyes in a one-game playoff was reason enough, for, in my mind, for his firing. It's in the 3-1-4. So help me. And I know Balloon Party was not around uh, at the time, but so help me. Uh, when that happened, I thought, oh, God, no. As the gentleman either was walking in from the bullpen or as he appeared on the television screen and I saw he was on the mound, I thought, oh, this will wrap her up. Yep. This will wrap her up. Similar to when you saw Walker come out against uh, the Giants. Yes. Yeah. And also, you know, like Eli Marrero was back and playing shortstop. I mean, if you look at who was playing where and who was in the game and who was out of the game when Ishikawa hit that home run at the yeah. end of the NLCS in 2014, you would go, what happened here? <laughs> what happened? That It just got away from him. I mean, there's no other way to describe it outside of it got away from him. I don't know what else to say. So you knew it was coming. You could feel that one coming. You could absolutely feel the Chris Taylor, Alex Reyes home run coming. You could not feel the Jake DeLome, Steve Smith pass coming. I didn't feel mm -hmm. that one. That one was like a, that, that, that caught me off guard. Uh, I, the, the, uh, the goal to end the series against the blues and the avalanche. Mm. I didn't necessarily expect it with five seconds, but I was watching that and said to my wife, I said, man, I hate to say this, but I just don't see the blues winning this game. Mm -hmm. But you know what? 48 hours later, I'm sure plenty of people were watching game five in Denver and going, I don't see the blues winning this game. So you see how things can play out. Sure. Uh, Tim, there's some truth to the get me a shortstop in pitching. I agree. That's from the 6180. I, I do think, I, again, 100% speculation, 
But I do believe that that is the case. Man, it's 1058. Yeah. I just looked down. I go, I think I probably got five minutes. And then I looked and it's 10. Is it really 1058? the quickest hour in radio. Yes, so. All right. Well, it's going to wrap it up. Got to get out of here. BK and Ferrari are coming up next. For Action Jackson, uh, look for the gray Poupon and Peevely tonight. <laughs> I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.